This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. As artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore, AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI safety security. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI safety security. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Okay, so Mike, last week's episode got me thinking. Well, that's a good thing. Yes, indeed. So much like the Facebook Papers episode, I decided to go a little off script here. Okay, nothing wrong with going off script. Sometimes the best <laughs> stuff we do is off script. So what do you got? True. Okay, so I wanted to spend a little bit more time in the world of crypto. So this episode of our antitrust season, where we're exploring how technology has broken down the trust within our culture, society, and institutions, and maybe some ways that we can help fix that, I wanted to specifically explore some of the recent developments around Web3 because there's some really fascinating technology being developed. And it's actually bringing people together in a whole new way. But with that, 
there's also some new grifts being developed that we have to watch out for. So we'll, we'll cover that a little bit later. But first, I want to talk about how some of this new technology is bringing together groups of people in a way that we haven't seen yet. All right. Well, off script we go. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We are your hosts, Michael Saka. And I'm Mike Belsito. So to start, have you heard about this Constitution DAO project? Um, is that the group of people that teamed up to buy a copy of the Constitution? Yes, exactly. It is part of what is now being dubbed the cooperation economy, right? Where a DAO or decentralized autonomous organization is being formed around a specific goal. It's an extension of our ever increasingly individualistic society and work environments. Right, because people are able to do more and more through services and automation it empowers people to build products that compete with established organizations or wealthy individuals in this case, in a way that was pretty much unheard of before. Uh, DAOs allow people to buy into a crypto coin that represents an ownership stake in the project. Now, depending on the smart contract, this could even give them things like voting rights on the direction of the project. Anyone can theoretically participate and everyone has the same class of ownership, unlike private companies where they're often very different classes of stock or shares that are issued to protect the larger investors. So these protections, they're designed to maximize the return for those larger investors and squeeze the employees, even the founders, out of their share in the sale of a company. I've seen that happen so many times. Yeah, so now just to give some context, DAOs aren't a completely new concept. Vitalik Buterin, the Ethereum co-founder, he contemplated decentralized autonomous organizations in the original Ethereum white paper back in 2013. In October of 2021, Andreessen Horowitz, they led a $10 million round in the popular DAO Friends with Benefits. A couple of weeks ago, Pleaser Dow bought the only copy of a Wu-Tang album for $4 million. Last week, the Ethereum name service, ENS, became a DAO and airdropped $2 billion worth of ENS tokens on anyone who had bought a .eth domain over the past few years. Many people received tens of thousands of dollars just for being an early adopter. So the Constitution DAO is now a group of people who have come together to buy a copy of the Constitution, which is the first time a copy of the U.S. Constitution will go on sale in the last 33 years. And people are incredibly excited to own this piece of history. Here's a clip from CNBC discussing the Sotheby's auction. A rare piece of American history is headed for the auction block. Sotheby's auctioning off a copy of the U.S. Constitution on Thursday, and a group of crypto investors won in. The organization, called Constitution Dow, is raising money using a digital crypto wallet in hopes of securing the winning bid. So far, they've raised more than 800,000 Ether, which is roughly the equivalent of $3.7 million. Joining us is Constitution Dow's Alice Ma. We're also joined by Packy McCormick of the Not Boring News. Newsletter. He's also a contributor of the project. So, Packy, I'm going to start with you. Why in the world do a bunch of crypto investors want to get together and own the Constitution? And what are they going to do with it? Sure. So, I mean, I think it's an obvious, important historical document for anybody who lives in the U.S., has immigrated to the U.S., appreciates U.S. democracy, or lives in a democracy around the world. This is one of 11 existing copies of that foundational text. And for the first time in 33 years, it's going up for auction at Sotheby's this Thursday night. So I think the reason that this group wants to buy the Constitution is 
because it's a document that represents, I think, a lot of the same things that the that the Web3 ethos shares with the United States, which is a belief in democracy, a belief in shared ownership, a belief in governance kind of of and by and for the people. Um, and so we're organizing a DAO in order to pull funds in order to buy this document and bid on it uh, at the auction. So of the 500 original copies created of the Constitution, only 11 to 13 remain, depending on who you ask. And this is the only known privately owned copy. In 1988, Howard Goldman bought this copy of the Constitution from Sotheby's for $165,000. When he passed away in 1997, his wife, Dorothy Goldman, became the custodian of the document. NPR announced that Sotheby's would be auctioning off a copy of the Constitution and several groups popped up looking to create a DAO to buy it. Those groups quickly came together and formed the Constitution DAO. Through a simple Google form that had been up for less than a day, the Constitution DAO garnered over 10 million in soft commitments. This is before they had even a legal framework in place to allow people to buy into the DAO. Launching and sustaining a successful DAO, like launching a company, requires doing a whole lot of things, pretty much all at once, while everything's moving and growing and breaking around you. Sounds pretty familiar, right? <laughs> yep, reminds me of the famous startup mantra, move fast and break things, but in this case, hopefully they don't break anything. <laughs> so <laughs> now what's interesting about the Constitution DAO as opposed to a startup is that the team is, let's say, like liquid, right? Unlike a company that has formal contracts in place and they have set working hours, the Constitution DAO has an incredible team who is working on their off hours and they're either like founders or they're highly specialized individuals. Yeah, this is a liquid super team as Packy McCormick referred to them. They're taking the time to build on the side because this is something they're actually passionate about doing. One of the first things they began doing was creating virality for the project. They landed on none other than a Nicolas Cage meme and a trending emoji symbol that participants could add to their social media bios to show that they were involved. A trend in the DAO world, if you see a parentheses followed by a scroll emoji, comma, scroll emoji, and a closing parentheses, that means that person is participating in the Constitution DAO. Now, a DAO isn't just a loose collection of anonymous strangers. I mean, it is, but it's also a legal entity. And like a company, it can get in trouble if it's not set up the right way. In this case, Syndicate co-founder Will Papper, whose company establishes DAOs daily, he figured out and implemented the right legal structure for the Constitution DAO. In just a couple of days, the core team needed to build a website from scratch pick a partner to run the crowdfunding. One team focused on the front end website while another evaluated partners. On the smart contract side, they needed a contract that could take in funds, issue tokens, allow funds to be used in an off-chain auction, and easily handle refunds and overflow in the case of a loss or in case the DAO raised more money than it actually needed. They ended up choosing Juicebox, which is a smart contract builder built on top of the Ethereum blockchain. Its domain is juicebox.money if you're curious to learn more. The solution needed to do a couple of things. Think of it as the product scope. It needed to be able to give refunds if they somehow didn't win. There needs to be an easy way to get that money back to the people without manually sending the ether. Right. It needed to allow bidding off chain because they were participating in the Sotheby's auction. Right. They needed to take all of this ether that was on chain and use it in the you know, fiat world. So Juicebox can be used uh, to pool the funds and then actually use them during an off-chain auction. And finally, it needed to handle overflow. 
They raised more than they needed. They wanted to be able to allocate tokens on a pro rata basis and return any remaining funds to people. And Juicebox was able to do all of these things right out of the box. Get it? <laughs> yep. Thank you for that one. <laughs> um, honestly, this would take most startups months to scope and build. It's incredible that service like this exists for processing pooled currency in this way. Now, we should touch on the organizational structure of the DAO here, too, as I'm sure that many people are curious. I actually didn't think there was one. Well, right. I mean, it, it is important to acknowledge that there are trade-offs with the DAO structure. Distributed ownership and governments are valuable for many reasons, but it's also harder to coordinate without a clear leader. At one point during this process, the core team had a two-hour-long call, which mostly was spent out figuring out the organizational items, like who would be in which working group and who could make which decisions. I mean, two hours is one hell of a lot less time than most organizations <laughs> raising $20 million would spend on org design, but... It's still a challenge. Yeah, at least at those organizations, there's a CEO, right, who can be the final say on these decisions. In this case, that person doesn't exist. So they opened up the coin purchasing to the masses, and it allowed people to trade their Ethereum for the new people coin, which would give them potential ownership in this copy of the Constitution. The tokens gave them certain governance rights in the project and allowed them to vote on decisions according to the number of coins that they own. These coins can also be traded on exchanges like Uniswap. Now, it's still to be seen if they're going to win the auction, but... Man, this is incredibly cool. Yeah, there's no way that a group this large could have been assembled to do all of this, even just a couple of years ago. I mean, the infrastructure of smart contracts that are able to handle the use cases around managing millions of dollars with no CEO to sign off on it, I mean, that simply didn't exist. Yes, all right. So we're gonna keep an eye on this project and we'll be back with another Web3 project right after a quick break. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. So before the break, we dove into the Constitution DAO, a self-governing, decentralized, autonomous organization that's focused on buying the last remaining copy of the Constitution of the United States. Now, I want to talk about another project that is incredibly interesting, one that is solving a lot of big problems in cryptocurrency around gas fees, which are the fees you pay to make a transaction, the speed of those transactions, and the excessive use of electricity to make those transactions happen. This project is called Solana. Solana is a layer one protocol or blockchain like Bitcoin, Ethereum, or a number of others. Technically, what makes Solana interesting is that it's radically different in terms of its system architecture, which leads to dramatically higher speeds and lower costs than other blockchains. Whereas Bitcoin can handle about seven transactions per second and Ethereum can handle about 30 transactions per second, 
Solana can currently handle 65,000 transactions per second. Plus, it costs around $3 today to send a transaction on the Bitcoin blockchain and around anywhere between $40 and $150 on Ethereum. It costs just a fraction of a penny to do a transaction on Solana. What it means is that you don't need to think twice about doing anything because it moves so quickly and costs so little. It's what Web3 is supposed to feel like, but hasn't yet with Bitcoin and Ethereum being the dominant players. The technology has simply lagged behind our collective ambitions. Today, blockchains like Bitcoin and Ethereum use proof of work as a way for validating transactions. You might remember from, from last week, and we won't go too deep, but proof of work is a system um, that allows for something called mining, which helps to verify transactions on the blockchain. This builds consensus within the network and incentivizes people around the world to run miners, which helps to verify transactions and keep the ledger up to date and agreed upon globally. And it does it all without any official owner of the ledger. Now, remember, miners, they're trying to solve a complex cryptographic math puzzle using computers that are connected to the Bitcoin blockchain in hopes of winning the block, so to speak, if they're the first to solve it successfully. When a block is solved, the pending transactions are written to the blockchain and the miner earns a fee from the network. This fee is taken from the gas charges that are paid by the users during the transaction. To solve the puzzles, they use a brute force calculation, which uses massive amounts of electricity to continually run their machines at maximum capacity. To verify one block for Bitcoin, it takes the same electricity that 1.5 million American households use in a day. This is devastating to the planet, and it's a major barrier for crypto. Here's a clip from The Guardian on the topic. We're talking about a system which is built from the ground up to encourage people to use about 200,000 pounds worth of electricity every 10 minutes. That, when you scale it up, is about two and a half times the energy use per year of Amazon, Apple, Facebook, Microsoft, and Google combined. 120 terawatt hours of electricity. It's also around the same as Norway. Bitcoin miners try and minimize this cost to themselves. And they tend to congregate in areas that have very cheap electricity, or they have very cold weather because it means they don't have to spend much money cooling their computers that get very hot when they do this useless calculation. But the network is always going to roughly balance out at using 29 million pounds worth of electricity every day. And that's always going to come out as an astronomically high energy usage. But Solana uses a proof of stake consensus plus a proof of history, which is a decentralized source of time that Solana Lab CEO and founder Anatoly Yakovento has said it is the implementation of the arrow of time in math. It, that sounds a bit <laughs> mind bending, but what it means is that the transactions on Solana are verifiably ordered without nodes needing to agree simultaneously. That's what makes it so fast. Proof of stake is a form of validation that doesn't use much, if any, electricity. The proof of stake concept states that a person can validate block transactions according to how many coins they hold within the network. This means that the more coins owned by a miner, the more mining power, essentially, that they have. But Anatoly's key innovation was proof of history. On most blockchains, miners or validators, they need to communicate with each other to figure out how to order blocks. On Solana, 
All of the blocks act like radio towers, verifiable with a clock. In 2019, Anatoly wrote in a blog post, utilizing proof of history creates a historical record that proves that an event has occurred at a specific moment in time, whereas other blockchains require validators to talk to one another in order to agree that time has passed. Each Solana validator maintains its own clock by encoding the passage of time in a simple SHA-256 sequential hashing, verifiable delay function, or VDF, to kind of help with this concept here's a primer video we found um, that might add some clarity proof of history enables the blockchain to work fast while maintaining security and decentralization here's an analogy if snapshots of dye diffusion were scrambled you would know how to place the resulting images in order again because of the laws of entropy as a function of time Proof of History uses a recursive verifiable delay function to hash incoming events and transactions. Every event has a unique hash and count along this data structure as a function of real time. This information tells us what event had to come before another, almost like a cryptographic timestamp, giving us a verifiable ordering of events as a function of time. Each node gets a cryptographic clock that helps the network agree on time and ordering of events without having to wait to hear from other nodes. Unlike slower, traditional blockchains, oftentimes throttled by various consensus mechanisms, Solana achieves high throughput without sacrificing network security. Visit Solana.com to learn more. I don't know if that actually helped, but maybe we could dive deeper into these concepts in a dedicated episode sometime. But back to the use cases of Solana. Uh, I actually found this clip of Anatoly Yakovenko appearing on Mad Money. Well, look, I've got to go right to it because I, th I think you're really, really impressive history. And there are people who have made fortunes who are connected with you. So I need to know, first of all, why does your company exist and second, why we need it. Blockchain is a revolutionary technology that is really enabling people to go, you know, person to person without any intermediaries. But Bitcoin and Ethereum are just way too slow for that. So Solana's there to really enable that 1 billion people to go fully interconnected. Well, let's figure this out. Way too slow. The way I like to compare is that, let's say a Visa. We have American Express on tonight. They do so many calculations per second, so many things per second. You tell me that Ethereum... And Bitcoin don't work as, as fast? Uh, no, uh, both Ethereum and Bitcoin are, can basically handle about a city the size of Berkeley, California. That, that's, that's where they crap out. <laughs> oh, my. Um, and, and why is it because you're decentralized finance? Does yours work different or because you just have a better mousetrap? So those technologies are about 10 years old. Proof of work and what they're based on are, are quite old. Um, Solana is based on a bunch of tech that myself and most of the folks that came out of Qualcomm kind of leverage from our you know, expertise in the wireless industry. And we really optimize this thing to take advantage of Moore's law, hardware that keeps getting faster and faster. Um, and we've benchmarked this to 65,000 TPS, which is the speed of Visa. Um, and our sites are bigger than that, you know, in our seed level deck, we, we literally said that it's blockchain at NASDAQ speed. So we want to slay some bigger dragons than just payments. All right, so the why why don't we all switch to Solana? I mean, Solana sounds like it's actually commercial, and the other guys sound like that they're antique. There's already thousands of people are already switching. So uh, if, if you want to call it switching or if you want to call new, new, new engineers coming into the space and building new applications, we saw a massive influx of developers over the last year. Wow, Jim Cramer is 
kind of hard to listen to. <laughs> Sorry about that. But Anatoly is on to something potentially big with this new blockchain. We're in the middle of platform wars with uh, interoperable platforms like Bitcoin and Ethereum vying for people to build real use cases on top of their protocols. And it's still really early. So protocols need to market just like any other startup. In June of this year, Solana announced that Andreessen Horowitz and Polychain Capital were leading a $314 million token sale. It seems counterintuitive to raise money from a VC when you already have a publicly traded token and a market cap over $10 billion. But raising money from Andreessen Horowitz and Polychain and other well-respected names in the space was essentially marketing, right? In the same way that traditional startups raise from top VCs partially to help them attract talent, partners, and customers. Now, there are a ton of projects that are active on Solana from NFTs to games like Star Atlas. It's this ecosystem that will make or break the project. Okay, this is all incredibly exciting. We'll need to do an entire season on Web3, but we wanted to make sure that we highlight some of these big advancements that are coming to solve some major roadblocks for the Web3 ecosystem. But after a break, we'll discuss some of the downsides of this ecosystem and what to watch out for. So investors and early adopters, they're getting crypto rich by getting involved in projects early on. Investors in Solana, for instance, have made a killing. Solana initially raised $3.17 million by selling 16% of its tokens in a seed sale at $0.04 cents per token. That's $3.17 million, which is worth now around $213 billion an astronomical return for those who bought into the seed sale. That's right, Solana is trading around $270 per coin right now, which was originally purchased for four cents. These seed sales are what is known as an ICO or initial coin offering. They're considered as popular fundraising methods used by companies and startups. Organizations looking to raise money to create a new coin, app, or service, they launch an ICO as a method to raise those funds from anyone. It doesn't have to be an institutional investor. ICO is the cryptocurrency equivalent of an IPO, but the significant difference between the two is that an IPO is usually for well-settled companies, whereas an ICO is generally for the young and risky companies. Although some of the ICOs have yielded massive returns for investors, many have turned out to be frauds. Like the one we talked about last week with Squid Games. There are numerous ways that people are getting scammed by the ICOs. ICOs first popped up around 2017 with an explosion of these scam projects. One report said that 20% of the ICOs that launched in 2017 were actually scams. Now, this number is smaller today, but there's still a whole lot of scam ICOs happening internationally. In a fake ICO scam, fraudsters will use websites featuring fake ICO details to hype the project to unknowing users. The website usually promises the moon and the stars to new users who are just desperate to make some profits. These sites then instruct users to deposit funds into a compromised wallet. Once your Bitcoin sent, it becomes pretty obvious that you were duped. Fake ICOs are a big issue because they occur frequently and they cost investors millions. For example, Bitcoin stole $6 million from customers via one of these masked campaigns. The platform tricked users to invest in the fake cryptocurrency by hyping its capabilities and technical progress to date. However, once the funds reached Bitcoin's wallet, they were promptly redirected into their personal bank accounts. There was also the OneCoin scam where the founder exited and made off with $10 billion. Dr. Ruja Ignatova may not be a household name, but among a certain following, she's a superstar. 
She was the founder and the face of the cryptocurrency OneCoin. It was dubbed to be the Bitcoin killer and promised to revolutionize the way we see money. Dr. Ruja toured the world speaking to crowds of people at sold out venues about how OneCoin was like Bitcoin, but bigger, better, and easier to use. On the back of OneCoin and the 3 million people who invested, Dr. Ruja reached fame and fortune. But suddenly, in late 2017, she disappeared without a trace. The scam was built like an MLM and promised novice investors that OneCoin would take over Bitcoin and they could get in early. Turned out that OneCoin wasn't even built on a blockchain. It was just a SQL database running a fake ledger. Buyers couldn't even pull out their investments even years after the project had been promoted. Ruja exit scammed and everyone lost their investment. But red flags like not being able to pull out an investment, they happen even with legit investments. More recently, Nader Al-Naji launched BitClout under a pseudonym Diamond Hands. Which sounds super sketchy, by the way. It definitely does. <laughs> and when he launched the project, there was no way to pull out the funds. But investors like Andreessen Horowitz were putting in millions as part of this ICO. He raised millions from tens of thousands of other investors very early on, and none of them could pull out their money or trade in this new coin as is standard with crypto coins today. But so far, BitClout seems legit and still has many institutional investors. So we raise this point as the promise of becoming instantly rich. It's incredibly compelling, but we don't want to see you get caught up in a scam and lose your investment. So always do your due diligence. All right, that about wraps up this week's episode. But first, we should announce the Rocketship ICO. Wait, what? <laughs> the Rocketship ICO, Rocketcoin. It's going to be huge. You might even say it'll be a rocket ship that's headed right to the moon. <laughs> you know it. I, I just need to get the uh, white paper together. All right. Well, while you're doing that, we'll be back next week with more from this season of Antitrust right here on Rocketship.fm. Thank you so much for listening to Rocketship.fm. It is your support that keeps the show going. If you can, take a second and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps out the show so much. We're also part of the Podglomerate Network, and if you'd like to listen to more great shows from the Podglomerate, go to thepodglomerate.com to see the full show listings. Rocketship.fm is produced in partnership with Product Collective, a community for product people. Go to productcollective.com and get access to our weekly newsletter, live video interviews, Slack community, product job board, and a whole lot more. Again, just go to productcollective.com.